colonialism is not a thinking machine, nor a body endowed with reasoning faculties. It is violence in its natural state, and it will only yield when confronted with greater violence. The Black Rapport Radio Show was conceived to teach African people worldwide about ourselves and issues that are important to us. We believe it is our responsibility to school our people as well as people that support us, about us. We speak on our own behalf, unapologetically. Now we're going to take you on an experience through how we see the world, through the minds of our hosts and important guests. Stay tuned. When they so-called abolished slavery, that's when they came up with this prison industrial complex. The United States has more people incarcerated than anywhere else in the world. Black people become serious about the revolutionary struggle that they are caught up in, whether they recognize it or not. When they begin to go down and knock off people who are oppressing them and begin to render these people impotent, that's when the revolutionary struggle unfolds. Not until. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that means that it's not just about you taking care of your child, it's about you taking care of these children. You're listening to another edition of Black Report Radio with the People's Minister of Information, JR. Today we got the legendary rhyme sayer, the grand verbalizer, the funk and lesson, Brother Jay. He's a blessing. Man, so I'm going to have you on here. You know, the first revolutionary rapper that I can name, and when I say that, and I always tell you that up front, but why I say that on record is that the first political rapper that had a movement that he was playing a part in, and that movement being Sonny Carson's movement in Brooklyn, or was yes, it was it was Brooklyn, right? Yes, sir, Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, New York. So we're going to get into all that, but I just wanted to give you the salute up front. For those people that don't listen to the whole interview, make sure they get that part. But, uh, Brother Jay, first and foremost, man, tell the people, how did you get into the game, man? How did you get into rhyming? When did you take a liking to rhyming? Well, um, you know, my, my upbringing along with lyrical situation comes from Brooklyn, more so the block party than anything. I started out as a DJ where I learned through that element what makes the crowd move, what the crowd responds to as I play different templates of different hoods from around the country, you feel me? And beatboxing also, another element, standing behind artists and, and providing the rhythm for them, let me learn different techniques and styles. So um, when I gained up enough of my own signature technique, I was able to start doing talent shows with, with Brother Sugar Shaft, you know, and our youth in early high school, God bless him. And um, we came up and met one of the managers of, of the Latin Quarters, which was Brother Architect, and he introduced me to Lumumba Carson, which was Professor Rex. And they had a management company where they did agent work for different artists, Just Ice and Big Daddy Kane and, you know, Hardcore and all kind of different groups. Back in those days, they used to provide uh, entertainment for Brooklyn, you know, because with Sonny Carson, they had control of, you know, getting the city parks and 
you know, blocking off certain avenues for events and different things. So, you know, my hip-hop had a home. And, you know, being involved with Brother Lumumba had a twofold. It was hip-hop, and then he had a young movement called Black Watch, which was gathering up all of the elders' children and feeding what they wanted from this new genre called hip-hop, given that and the black nationalism in the same chord. So being raised in that with my poetics, I became, you know, one of the one of the spokesmen for the house as a young as a young head and that's what y'all experienced on to the East Blackwoods. You know, that was a young ambassador of a movement speaking on what was going on in the streets as we were demonstrating, you know, for our freedom and for our justice, you know, different situations that were happening back in that time that you know, that would look like in this day like a Trayvon or 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 any of the other people who have lost their lives to police brutality and other foolishness that's going on. It's just a continuous cycle. It's a shame to say it, but it's real. The same battle then is the same battle now, my Lord. So what was going on between 1990 and 1992? I know 92 is when Exodus came out. What was going on in between that time before Exodus came out with X-Clan and the Black Watch movement? Well, one thing that we were learning was how strong the effect of what we were putting out was really hitting the folks. And the Black Watch movement started growing probably about 91, strong 92. Now we had, you know, money from shows. So it, it was no longer waiting for the people to donate to our situation. It was going out, getting this show money, you know, and bringing it home and, you know, building our headquarters and, you know, funding our own events and things of that nature, you know, because nobody want to put up a, a black nationalist event. They don't know the element. They don't know the climate. They don't know if we're aggressive or we're intelligent or what. You know, it's such a mystery for outsiders when they when they deal with black nationalism because they feel like we're communists and so on. So, um, you know, the music kind of diluted that you know, that thought and that threat a little bit, you know, because now they were able to see us on TV and we're talking and they see, you know, that we, we're about our people, but we're not trying to chop off people's heads to make our point. There's no need for that. We're trying to spread this, you know, some kind of unity and peace as much as we can. You know what I'm saying? So in that 90 to 92 period, we were growing, you know, as young men and our, our older regiment was growing to become elders. You know what I'm saying? Because you got two sides of the coin with older people. You can be an older person or you can be an elder. And the elder is the guidance. The old person is just still trying to figure it out. So um, a lot of our older people were becoming elders in our circle. And it was it was a, a golden era of wisdom for us as it was a golden era for hip-hop. So we had a, a double bonus, if you will, you know what I'm saying, to what was going on in that era. And, you know, also we started learning this hip-hop game, man. It's it's not all flowers and candy, you know. It's about keeping your position and 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 keeping on the chart and keeping relevant. And a lot of those, a lot of that process doesn't mix with what black nationalism is. So, you know, as we were trying to bring it together, there were so many reasons to keep it apart. You know what I'm saying? So that's really what was happening in the 90s between 90 and 92. I mean, a lot of people believe that there is no market for black nationalist music, black revolutionary music, but yet you are one of the artists who survived for over 30 years with 
black nationalist music. Can you talk a little bit about how the people responded when y'all first came out and how the people still respond to you, Brother J, but also X-Clan's catalog? That's a great that's a great topic because you know one of the things about that era and our impact is that we didn't understand business all right and um and I say that because you know I I'll make an example of the African medallion you know something that simple as a medallion replacing gold chains and things of that nature were important at that time frame because cats were losing their life over gold ropes the businesses that we work with merchandise-wise wanted us to claim that market, okay? And we didn't feel it was proper to prostitute or, or, or claim the African medallion for capital. You feel what I'm saying? So it's a thin line because we don't own it. You feel me? But when people look at us and they see the medallions on us on the video, they go to the African shops. And they buy it. So at that time, we were making the African shops as strong as the mom and pop shops for records. Because people were going in there looking for beads and they wanted to have the look. You know, when you're an artist that's on top, people want to imitate your look. But, you know, imitating the look of us was really you attaching to your culture. So there was no commercial, commercialization about it. It was all, it was just attaching people back to their roots. So, you know, we... We had internal problems with it. I don't think the people would have had a problem if X-Clan had a medallion or whatever, but these were little conflicts between the black nationalists and the music side of what we were doing. You know what I'm saying? So the effect was strong because now a lot of the children who weren't allowed to listen to some of the, 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 the raunchy hip-hop, they had a place that they can come to, you know? And it was not only just the young heads, it was the older heads. If, if you look at how the... The, the selections of the samples were on that on that album. We picked a lot of stuff that, you know, our, our mothers and fathers would jam to. You know what I'm saying? Our aunts and uncles would jam to. You know, that's how I, I formatted it. I said, let me play something that I would hear my family jam to at the barbecue and at the same time that the young heads can understand my spit and get on. So it was the music that we X-Clan put out was made to bring generations together. So... I think a, a lot of the mistakes were us not analyzing the music business and what would be good to do and what's not good to do. You know what I'm saying? Because the lifestyle of touring doesn't mix with the principles of staying on point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you can't go out every night and, and, and drink the bar and, and live like a pirate, you know what I'm saying, and, and uphold the situation. You know, that, that becomes a conflict. You know what I'm saying? We we started becoming like, you know, like like Marines almost. <laughs> you know, we were on the road so much. The demand was so high. And, you know, and even to this day, you know, people will respect our grind because we eventually went beyond the record label providing us to go around the country. Now, you know, certain certain organizations, you know, were calling out for us and, and using their budgets and their resources to have, African festivals and stuff. A lot of festivals started around X-Clan. You know what I'm saying? It was now a reason to celebrate our blackness un unapologetically. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it, it was something to where a person could come out and say, man, I can wear this head wrap now. Nobody look at me sideways. 
You know, I can wear these beads and this ivory and jade and all these things and not be looked at sideways. You know, we had our own fashion and the way we, we, you know, we twisted everything, you know, the way we wore our Tims and the way the suits that we picked, you know what I'm saying? Everything, you know, we write the know as Sonny Carson would always say to us, you know, we always waiting for somebody else to tell us what to do. It's not the case. You know, we have to go out there and be confident enough all the way around to say we're original man here doing an original thing. If it be hip hop or black nationalism, we're opening up new doors and in and, and both areas of, of study. So talk a little bit about how the name came. I mean, you got one of the coldest names in hip hop. You know, the, the grand verbalizer, the funk and lesson, Brother J. I mean, where did the name come from and what does it exactly mean? Well, uh, uh, my title came, honestly, it came earned. I grew up as an MC to learn the channels of hip hop. But with, with the message attached, it had to be something different. It couldn't be MCJ, you know what I'm saying? So the grand verbalizer, you know, an ambassador of the movement, that was a title that was adorned on me. And my style is the funkin' lesson, you know, to take the funk of the acquired and to blend the lessons of the ancestors inside of that. That is my signature. And, you know, as a human being, as Brother Jay, it only makes, you know, makes sense to what it is. I'm a brother of the movement. I am my brother's keeper. So my title was earned, honestly, you know, from day one in that camp. You know what I'm saying? As with any brother in that camp or sister. You know what I'm saying? Our sisterhood was strong as well. Can you talk a little bit about one of the other trademarks besides black nationalism, one of the slogans of X-Clan? And it would be when Professor X would say, sissy. <laughs> I mean, tell us a little bit about that and where that came from. Well, I mean, PX was always one to challenge people who were uncommitted, you know what I'm saying, or, or non-committed, you know what I'm saying, to a movement or some kind of organization. So, you know, when, when he said the protection of protected red, black, and green, the sissy was, you know, step up you know, to to those who are looking, you know, outside of of what it is, coming to the circle, if you dare. If you, you ever hear him say that on the record, like Grand Verbalizer, if you dare, you know what I'm saying? He always was one to challenge for recruitment. So, you know, instead of saying sucker, he didn't like the word sucker, and I didn't either. You know what I'm saying? Now, I think that was more popular with KRS and, you know, a lot of other rappers at the time, sucker MCs and this and that. But I, I think Sissy summed it up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A lot of gang heads, you know, used to use it and clown other other sets and things of that nature. You know, it had its own vibration in the streets. You know, the clan blends from the temple to, to the hoods. It doesn't matter. But, um, you know, the overall definition of the city was just a challenge to those who are always straddling the fence, so to speak. You know, get off that side of the fence and step onto the side of your people, man, and stand firm. And that, And that's what it was. So talk a little bit about the Exodus album. What was going on with Exodus? And then it actually led to the Exodus of X-Clan for a little while. Can you talk a little bit about what was going on with the album and what ended up, you know, making X-Clan take a hiatus for 15 years? Well, um, one thing about the Exodus project, we had, you know, the, the group was popular at that time. This was like 92, 93. Things started budding out a little bit. And 
you know, everyone's personality was evolving. We were no longer in the lab together, you know, creating together. You know, the movement, you know, the responsibilities of being a movement and a popular hip-hop group were wearing on us. You know what I'm saying? Constant touring, you know, away from our families. You know, the creativity of that album was more raw because we started seeing the, you know, the police brutality step up. That's why you heard songs like FTP. That's why the content of Fire and Earth was speaking about the Jeffrey Dahmers and the, you know, and the, and the you know, the mayors that weren't representing us but representing all kind of other people. You know what I'm saying? It was a lot of, a lot of content that, you know, out of anger. That was the first time that I really wrote with a little bit of anger in the back of my thing because I had been, you know, laid down in front of my venues going in because they felt that clan was a threat. You know what I'm saying? You know, and for police to feel like we coming in the, in the, in the door with microphones and beads and, and leather and they help, they holding us down on the ground. Like we did something wrong, but the inspiration on the people, you know, you got 2000 people yelling FTP at the top of their lungs. <laughs> you know, they, they feel that was a, that was a, a problem or seed of something that they, wouldn't be able to handle so the exodus was that you know what i'm saying it started opening doors and you know a, a lot of things on that album were to me reactionary you know it wasn't like east black was that was written in the innocence of a, a initiate in a movement you know just really recording what he saw i was like a reporter in the movement at that time but now you know growing in the movement the hip-hop to me was becoming secondary it wasn't a, it was more of a, of a third situation to me, you know what I'm saying? Because I saw more ways to support the people as we traveled around the country. So now, you know, with our movement growing, I was looking at, you know, expanding the Blackwash that I was adopted into. You know, I didn't start Blackwash. Blackwash was created by Brother Lumumba, and, you know, it had, it already had a generation of artists before me. You know, they didn't jump off or anything, you know, but... They were popular in our boroughs and our hoods. You know, they, they had their little runs and whatnot, but, you know, the the, the clan kind of opened doors for different things to happen. They just started seeing ISIS and Queen Mother, and, you know, a lot of the artists that we had didn't even get a chance to get out because after we severed, after Exodus, I just felt that we needed a break. I felt that, I felt that the hip-hop was kind of infecting our movement, you know, and I, I know a lot of people who are listening to this interview can relate with what I'm saying. If you, if if people who are blending black nationalist thought and hip hop, you have to look at yourself from the time you started to now and see how much of your principles have been compromised trying to stay in a mainstream of music. You know, you you know, for those who forget about where it started, you know, giving the message to the people through this medium, this powerful medium, this freedom of speech, and now becomes competing with other artists. And uh, if you're better than most deaf or black thought or this, that, and the other, you know, how do we get caught up in the, the Greek battle side of what's happening when we're just supposed to be relaying information? It starts getting twisted. And I felt that the hip-hop was overriding our situation, and I, I called for a pause in what we were doing. You know what I'm saying? I, I just didn't feel that, you know, going out like hip-hop artists was what, you know, what, what it was about, brother. You know what I'm saying? I, I really didn't feel that. And I felt that 
a lot of the recruitment, you know, a, a, a lot of the, the, the recruitment measures and process weren't being practiced because now you have groupie mentality mixing with people that were coming to be soldiers, and that's two different cups of tea, <laughs> if you dig what mm -hmm. I'm saying. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you start to water down. You know, if you started out and you had a ritual of induction, you know, to your situation, you know, and you stop doing that, you just start opening your doors like an orphanage, it's not going to be cool in the long run, bro, because the dedication is not the same. You know, when they call us out to do rallies or anything like that, you got people saying, oh, I just came here for the music. I didn't come here for that. <clears throat> that should never come up. You know what I'm saying? In our first generation, that wasn't even an option. You get that call six, seven in the morning, and we gathering at the Brooklyn Bridge, there was no Internet. There was no Facebook. There was nothing. You had to meet at a point and get your instructions because the revolution was not to be televised or, or, or given to the beast on any level. You talk to the people who had connection to other folks, you know, who were directed into the movement, and you went and made your statement known. If it was stopping our city and stopping up that traffic for a couple hours and making these people understand that we want to be heard and recognized, and that's what it was. There was no question about if you came here for music or not. You know, that's not it. So I think those are the elements, part of the elements, that started to break our group up. We weren't thinking on one accord. The alignment was off. Can you talk a little bit about then, that's when I met you is when you jumped to Dark Sun Riders. Talk a little bit yeah. about what the Dark Sun Riders movement was about. You actually came to Castlemont in Oakland and was yeah. doing a community event out here. And I was the intern at the radio station and I happened to be there and it was dope. So tell us a little bit about that movement and how it differed and was similar to X-Clan? Well, Dachshund Riders was more so of a, a rhythmic order, which was different from a movement because now it was a contained unit of focused generals. Most of the teachers from the Black Watch movement were part of the Dachshund Riders camp, and I was highly selective about who I brought on the road and who I put on those covers because everybody don't need to be down with that. You know what I'm saying? You got people who get you in the game, brother. You know, you got people who can't step on that stage and get a little bit of that energy. They get too caught up, you know. Some people know how to be numb to that kind of thing and go ahead and do your business and handle that and get off, but some people get starstruck. You know, when your security starts walking up talking about, hey, man, I could rhyme too, something's wrong. <laughs> 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 right. You know what I'm saying? You know, when I was security brother, you know, I didn't I didn't I didn't say anything about my rhymes or anything. I paid my dues. Right. You know what I'm saying? When I was training in, in, in self defense and, and weaponry and things of that nature, I, I never stopped to say, Hey, I, I know how to rhyme. You know, I was invited to deliver the message. You know what I'm saying? And after my dues were paid there was no question about, you know, my dedication value, so you know that door was open to me on another level, man. So, you know, saying I don't, I don't know what these cats be doing now, but Dark Sun was the birth of what is happening now today with X Clan. It was bringing things back into alignment, really putting people where they are supposed to be, and not trying to include the whole move on the video. You look at all our videos in the past; you got about fifty. <laughs> Black watch heads who ain't got no business on that camera. 
You know what I'm saying? And that's the one thing that I was able to bring back home to say, well, these people who I'm introducing as the Dark Sun Riders, this person is security, this person is the engineer, this person is the producer, these are the future artists. Now we were back into defining what it was and then also breaking the sample situation out of our basket because between Exodus and East Blackwoods, those are very expensive albums, brother. If you look at some of the stuff that we was, you know, picking up and looping on those things, those samples will cost you shit, damn near a quarter million dollars to do an album like that in, in today's standard of sampling music and so on. So, you know, we were probably about the last cast to really get a little taste of that, you know what I'm saying, before it became over expensive. You know what I'm saying? But Dark Sun was breaking that and getting into the new era of sound. You know, Dre was hitting real strong at that time, taking that R&B mix and playing songs over, taking that to the next level. Our, our samples out of New York sounded like trash. We sounded like transistor radio compared to what Dre and them was doing. You know, so I wanted to step up the entire sound value of what we were doing. Even though our audience was more 90s era sample based or whatever, they're not paying for the album. <laughs> you know, and those big budgets and stuff start dwindling as the years went on. Cats weren't paying the same monies that they were for artists, so we had to experience that as well. So with Dark Sun, I got a chance to reboot. You know, it was offered to me as a solo opportunity because at that time, you know, Buster Rhymes went solo, Run DMC broke up and went solo, EPMD, you know, all these cats was breaking up. They were They were learning like, damn, we can you know, separate Voltron and get a little bit more money. You know, and we ain't got to break it down with the DJ, the the hype man, the this, that, and the other. I can just, you know, go get a deal for myself. But, you know, I felt with Dark Sun, I said, you know, for me to come out with the clan and then come back out by myself, that's, that kind of shows selfishness on my part, brother. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I stress unity, and I still wanted to show some kind of symbol of unity still happening. I wanted to show my growth as a seer at the time because I earned my stripes. You know, I, I, I went through the school of what the, you know, of, of what it was of the Black Watch at that time frame and I had earned different stripes and I wanted to build my own house that was built around lyricism, solid production, and principle. Period. And that's what Dark Sun was for me. You know, I know it was weird to some of my, you know, fans who like to the hype tempos and knee deep and more bounce and all of that stuff. But for the underground, it was food for them. You know what I'm saying? It was food for them. And when I came to perform it, I think my audience was mad that I didn't really kick X-Clan classics at the time, but I was, I was mad at rap. I was mad at hip hop at that time. I really just wanted to stress just this power intelligence on, 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 on beats and just be in and out, brother. You know what I'm saying? It took a lot for me to even, separate the clan at that time because I, I brought the clan to black watch. You no, know, we didn't create professor X didn't make the clan. You know, people be so comic book with that, you know, professor X was our manager back in the days and me and Shaft came. If you look at the first promos of X clan, it's me and sugar Shaft on the cover or the promo photos. And then it became architect and professor and us. They elected to me, you know, I would have had half a flat bush, it would have been like an early Wu-Tang. <laughs> you know, all my all my homies in Brooklyn would have been behind me, and I think that would have been, I don't think it would have had the same impact. 
You know, I think the fact that there was eldership involved in X-Clan and even Dark Sun Riders, it, 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 it made it stand out. It wasn't kid and play. It wasn't, you know, Houdini or any of that. And, and it's not to say that they're bad or not. It's just that those groups are not movement orientated. You know, they're entertainers, and that's what we're not. If I did a solo act, I, I think I would have been committing more to entertainment than anything. So um, that's what the Dark Sun Project was about, and it was more principled and, you know, a little bit more meditation-wise. You know, the beats were there, you know, but it helped me have a blueprint of how I wanted to bring the clan back, you know, and, and I moved to the West Coast, and I expanded the X-Clan and added some more powerful generals in their own right to the circle, and I was able to release the X-Clan Millennium Cipher out here in the West Coast to you know, let the world know that the clan rides again, you know what I'm saying, in the vein of what it is, you know, a new era, a new millennium to face, new issues, you know, not 90s issues or even the 60s issues. This is a new wave of digital <laughs> foolishness and, you know, and degradation of, uh, of our masculine uh, properties and our neighborhoods, all kind of things that I can list. But things that did stay the same was the police brutality and the disrespect of of our of man, woman, and child, and that was enough for me to you know to get back on the horse and come back with some solid music, and you know just to give a spark of inspiration. Man, I'm not I'm not a savior. All I, all I'm trying to do is spark some inspiration and some wake up food, you know, for those who are asleep at the wheel right now. You know, that's all it's about. That's what Dark Sun was the birth of, brother. That's what's up. So then in 2007, X-Clan came back. Am I right? Yeah, we did. We started projects in like 2003 where I was just moving around the West, really understanding the underground. And um, the underground in the West Coast is a different beast than in the East Coast. You know, it's, it's work. You know what I'm saying? When you show up, People understand you and give you give you that following. You know what I'm saying? You can't just sit still and say, hey, I'm a legend. I know legends will come out here and don't get a crowd. <laughs> you know, if you ain't touching the people in the right, right way. But Real talk. <laughs> you feel me? So I'm like, you know, from the, from the community work, you know, the, the networks of culture are small out here. But at the same time, to me, it was large. You know what I'm saying? Because the gangs come from the movements, brother. You know, they, they, you know, the movement and any gang and set is our cousin. You know, it's all black. It's all African. I don't care what it is, but it's just that without the guidance, you know, our elders were in prison. You know, uh, our OGs were in prison, those who understood the principle of what we were protecting our neighborhoods for. So for me to come here and tap into ones who kept the old way, I was able to learn these areas and not just learn the underground, but learn how to give back to the community while I'm out here. You know, I can't do a New York thing and a California, <laughs> you know, front. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't do that. I have to, I have to see where the people are at, and that right. takes time. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just being realistic with you. You know, I have to, you know, it just wasn't about going a couple of shows with the Living Legends or Hyro or all of this, and I feel like I'm in. That's music. You know, who am I talking to? Where are the temples? You see me at the Black Panther Festival. Right. You know, cats see me at the Karas Temple. They, you see me moving around here, and I don't have to wear it on my sleeve. That's how I live. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? So until I plugged myself back into that, I wasn't comfortable dropping any music. I knew my intention, but I, I had to have the, the total support of my people if I was going to give this music back, you know, my energy and my time and, you know, away from my family and all of that. I had to make sure that, are y'all here? Are we doing this together? Because I'm not going to be yelling on this mic by myself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is for us. This is for us to have our own house. If you're tired of hearing cats on the radio talking about, you know, lick my ass and this, that, and the other, you know, you're going to have to start supporting these conscious artists. So, you know, I bought my intention out here with the X-Clan, and I, I created my company, Culture United, and my goal was to build a, a conscious Def Jam, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Something to where the all-stars of consciousness could have a home and a platform so they can, you know, continue their move without being compared to Lil' Kim and this and that. I'll be damned if I artists like Isis or Lauren Hill or Sarah or something and they're comparing her to Remy Ma or whatever. You know, we need our own grid, brother. <laughs> we don't blend with that. You know what I'm saying? Right. We, you know, when, when they get celebrated, they don't honor us. So why would right. I go and glorify them in my category of being honored? You know, Nicki Minaj ain't got no weight where I come from. Sonny Patterson is number one in my book. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Artists like that. You know, your you, top artists, your Drakes and all of that, it's not number one to me. You know what I'm saying? It, it may be someone like a Moe or a Common in my world, you know, that competes. They don't even have the, the, the lyricism or the presence to even compete with what I feel registers as a, as a real conscious MC or just an MC period. You know, I, I respect some of these cast production and all and all of that. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you're either talented or not. But I just hate the fact that it's been so oversaturated with foolishness. You know, we always knew that sex sells, porn sells. But who would have thought that you would dip hip-hop so far into it that Every person that's coming out has the same thing on their tongue. You might have had, like, four groups that dived into shit like that, <laughs> you know, back in the days. You know, N.W.A. or, you know, one of these girls might come up, like a Trina or something like that, you know, somebody that's, that's coming in, and, and that's their lane. But for now, you know, seven out of ten, eight out of ten, that's ridiculous, bro. And it imbalances the radio and everything, and I tell all these conscious artists and movements, I said, look, radio time is a matter of money. If y'all all put money together, y'all be putting together fund the band and all this other thing. Put money together to to get an hour or two on a power station so you can dictate what DJ spends what you need. The radio station is not going to refuse your money on any level. That's the only reason these cats have upper hand because we refuse to do business man you know what i'm saying if you so elated to compete with this power station raise the money stop talking about all this hustle and hustle and you ain't got no money to come to the station to say i want an hour airtime and i'm going to spend everything that i love and here's my petition of people that are going to listen to my situation here on my website use the technology you rather have people throwing thumbs up and liking you rather than supporting you on a petition to say, this is, we want an hour of conscious entertainment. We want an a, a, a hour of power, period. 
if it be satellite radio, if it be regular power station radio, it doesn't even matter, bro. That's what's up. I mean, I agree with you 100%. For those that yes, are just sir. tuning in, you are listening to the voice of the legendary MC, legendary revolutionary general in our community, you know, from Brooklyn to L.A. to the town. You know, we got the grand verbalizer, the funkin' lesson, Brother J, X-Clan, Dark Sun Riders. You know, he right here on the block report. So, right on, bro. I'm honored to have you on here. So, one thing I had to ask you about that, you know, I got to ask you about as an elder statesman in hip-hop. Last year, we dealt with the molestation case of Africa Bambata and what came to light. I mean, here on the West Coast, it caught us totally by surprise. I mean, I never personally heard anything about it, and I got lines to the East Coast and stuff like that, but I never heard anything about it. I mean, can you talk a little bit about the situation? I mean, I know touring for this many years in hip-hop and being a legend for 30 years in hip-hop, you know Bambada, you, I'm sure in New York, New York has a different viewpoint or, you know, y'all know more about the situation. Can you tell us a little bit about the Bambada situation? Well, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out myself, brother, because, you know, Bambada was more of my brother's generation. You know what I'm saying? Bambada was like, you know, a big brother, uncle, when we came around, you know, with, our movements and our, our shows and videos. You know, he was doing Free South Africa. He was doing very positive things. Bam, you know, when I was young, man, Bam was the break master. He was the dude that you heard the break at the party and you wanted to figure out what those drums were so you can sample. He was that, you know, breakbeat Santa Claus, if you will. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I never had a tangle in his personal life or who his woman was or wasn't or whatever case may be. But, you know, what, what, what shocked me was, one, the medium of where this information came from. It came from, some, you know, some gossip station thing. So, you, you know, you kind of took it like somebody's trying to take a shot at Bam because you don't think this of him. You know, man, you running a youth organization in the Bronx. It's a different borough from where I come from. But, you know, you run a youth organization up there, and people trust you, man. You know, people trust you. I trust you. I put you all on, you know, on, I mention you in honor. You know what I'm saying? You move around in circles with people that, that are honorable. I see you sitting with the minister. I see you sitting with different people. I'm thinking that we are somewhat a good judge of character of our people in the circle. So it's, it's you know, when, when the situation came up on this, this station or whatever, I'm thinking like, you know, Bam's going to call in and, and defuse this. But there was never a call. There was, there, was, there was no connection to any of the black press that was like, yo, man, shoot these people down. And when you go to Fox News to do a report, they were, are the enemy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It didn't make sense to me, brother. Rolling Stone magazine? No, man. They're, they're not standing behind you when you do a Unity Day or Malcolm X Day, they're not advertising you on a page or, or giving you a moment to speak, homie. Why do they want to talk to you now? Why, why, you know, why wouldn't you come directly to us and build with us? You know what I'm saying? You know, as the story came out, brother, it just, 
it was a deflation, you know what I'm saying, of 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 what any kind of young person could think about this movement, you know, and any older person who's had faith in the movement is kind of a head cracker, man. We just left we just lost Malachi York, you know, a man who built a a full active Egypt <laughs> in the United States, brother. It takes it takes powerful shit to get things like that done, you know, and and you know, I've read some of this brother's material. I know Master York for many years. And I, I was I was devastated to hear what was being you know he was being accused of, and still to this day trying to figure it out because you know you got some people who say hell no, and then some people who say hell yeah. It shouldn't be a question at this stage, and and then when and with the Bambada thing that happened right behind it, it it made it look for conspiracy people like they're trying to take the movement out. You know they've always been trying to take us out. But you know, if you if if people have made bad judgment and 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 fucked up action during their time frame in this thing, man, come on, man, step away, because everybody ain't on that. I'm sure the Zulu Nation is not on no fucking Greek party, you know, fuckboy shit. I I I would hate to think that. I don't, you know. But you know, it 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 makes you feel like you know of people, but you don't know a person. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not responsible for Bambada's personal action. And I think that's what Chris tried to defend on him to say, yo, man, I just give a fuck about, you know, what he contributed to hip-hop. I don't know what Bam gets down and does. But, you know, we have to give a full fuck because where we trusted him is where we have to cut that off, man, if he's not going to step up and say, yo, man, you know, your faith is not in the wrong place. I, that's all I wanted to hear. Like, yo, man, that's foolishness. Let me tell you what's up. You know what I'm saying? I, and and I we never got that, bro. We never got that. And I feel to this day like, man, we deserve that for all of the time and the faith that we gave you. You know, you know, we we're not self-proclaiming you to be some kind of great African priest or anything. You were a symbol of justice in hip hop, man. And you and and that has been betrayed. Fuck everybody. Whatever you have to do to reach us to say, yo, man, this ain't real. And let me show you where. Do that for us. Otherwise, man, you make it hard for any person that is in the movement to even try to recruit in this generation bracket. They already over flooded with information. You don't need to put no more doubt and depression in their motherfucking dome, bro. <laughs> but it's a reminder to parents. Even back then, I mean, my father brought me to the movement. You know, these were, I didn't just dwindle into the movement. My father brought me to the Black Watch. You know what I'm saying? When I said that I liked it and I was I was comfortable here and I wanted to do something, my father came with me and met with everybody. My father came to the clubs while I was doing security with them in the cities. You know, you got to follow your kids up. You know what I'm saying? You got to follow your kids up. I'll be damned if a motherfucker was fucking with my kid and I'm standing right there and you talking about, let me go in the back, in the back here and, and teach them how to turntable or whatever the fuck. I don't need all that. I buy that shit for my kid at home and he can practice what it is. If you can't do it in front of me, it's not worth knowing, period. That's how that resolves any of that. So I think this huh. is a reminder to parents, you know what I'm saying, regardless of whatever your kid is at, if they're at the, the, the cheerleading tryouts or basketball or anything, be there. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Be there as much as you can. And if you can't, then get another program where the time frame is better for you to have some kind of interaction and some kind of look 
that you can give the coach or whoever the coordinators are to say, yo, man, when I hear about it, it won't reach the press. I'll reach your ass before it reached the press. We have to start getting like that around our seeds again. It's that era. Real shit. So I think this this whole thing, the silver lining in it is that we have been sleep at the wheel on how we monitor our kids. No, you can't listen to this foolishness and this trap shit because you don't even understand what the fuck trap is. You don't even understand what you're committing yourself to. You know, when you when you're getting into this vibration, you you know this is a electronic music and they're trying to label it something, you know, to promote like this is black people's electronic and dance because you don't hear the white boy saying, you know, I'm, I'm playing trap at my party. They'll say EDM or some shit. <laughs> so, you know, when you let your kids just run up into a party like that, you, you're giving them the drug dealer mentality, the drug dealer lifestyle. That's what the music is promoting, period. So if you're not present to see as far as how they're going and, and who they're networking with, then you're stupid as fuck. You know what I'm saying? If you can't take your kid's iPhone or iMusic thing or whatever the hell without a fight, that means you've been asleep at the wheel. There's a problem. You feel me? So back to this Bambada thing. The movement was sleep at the wheel. For supposedly for 30 years or whatever, this man has been compromising young men. Period. Now, for that whole movement, who was down and who was not, you know, that has to be revealed for the organization itself. You know, I, Zulu Nation is my cousin, you know, and, and when it when I first heard it, I said, look, this is a time for your chiefs and all of these supposed Zulu kings who are not self-proclaimed to take responsibility and step up for those who don't share that same foolishness and build a fortress around your people, man, because somebody's warring on your house. If they're exposing the quote-unquote head of your organization like that, you have to say, yo, man, this body is made up of many heads, man, and this organization is right. We'll dismiss that, refresh our situation to see where our mistakes were, and come back as a stronger unit. When you have a million-plus people throughout the world in your regiment, you have to think like that, bro. They know just kill it is dead. That's over years and years. How many people have, you know, saluted that banner throughout the years? That's part of the fiber of hip-hop, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Zulu Nation? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. It's got to be more than that for all the dedication, you know, outside of that. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a spit in the face to, to all the movements and all the shit that, the symbolics and shit that band wear. I, I feel it's a spit in the face, man. And I just really wish he would just come and just say, yo, man, let me show you where this is false. I'm still waiting. Still waiting. As a, as a, as a person who admired what the doors broken down by them, that record still plays to this day. Planet Rock, one of the number one songs in this bitch. It started motherfuckers to dancing and rhyming and all kind of shit, man. It influenced. Y'all are around the origin of hip-hop. They got you idolized in shows like Get Down and all kind of shit, man. You deserve a little bit of, of, of more of an explanation of what's going down, bro. I really feel that. Enough said. Couldn't be said better. Yes, sir, my lord. Now, what is your view of hip-hop today? I mean, as we wind down on the questions, what is your view of hip-hop today? Political hip-hop, but also... 
just regular hip hop. I'm talking about hood hip hop. I mean, yesterday you was at the Richie Rich 50th birthday party, which was, you know, a major Oakland event. Can you talk a little bit about what are your thoughts on hip hop as one of the elder statesmen? I think we have to get out of separatism, bro. You know, when I came up, man, I was doing shows with DJ Quick. I was doing shows with EPMD, Ghetto Boys. It wasn't like Conscious Jam or Gangster Jam. It was hip-hop, period. And you came and expressed from where you're coming from. The reason I can come to a, to a rich function like that, you know, like yesterday, because that's the homie, and I can respect his legend. And you see how them people respond? He get a better response than some of the legends would come <laughs> to Oakland and perform in that stage. You feel what I'm saying? He's just lightly playing with him on his birthday, having to sip on stage and just singing with his folks coming home. That's hip-hop to me. It ain't always got to be you talking about Marcus or this or that in order for me to register it. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it got it, it to be what brings that black energy out, bro. You know what I'm saying? That's what, they, you know, that's what these cats want to bottle nowadays, that very energy in that room. You see how many sisters was in that room, brother? <laughs> singing that for real. them sisters don't give love to everybody bro you understand me that's why the music is softer now the R&B and all of that because those sisters control the game straight up and down when the women tell the stations what they want to hear they switch up they don't talk to the brothers they don't deal with what the brothers want they deal with the women that's why you that's why Drake is number one I'll be sure 2000 you feel me that's why a little cat can come out with a little jingle and singing melody and don't really have to bust too much because it's complicated. A woman's dance on the floor shaking her ass, she don't want complicated lyrics about sun, moon, and stars and this and that unless you really know how to bust that shit. Feel me? That was the difference between the clan. We knew how to keep that knee deep humping, and I can name the pantheon of African gods in my shit, <laughs> and you don't lose a step. Cats were afraid to branch off into other vocabulary. Back to today, we have to breach out of the same grid of vocabulary. I can play eight songs next to each other, and they're saying the same exact thing. Feel me? There are only a few true wordsmiths out here, and, and the music is oversaturated. Turn your phone on and start rhyming to a beat, and you feel like you're a star if you get a certain amount of likes. That's not what the game is. It's twisted now. So it has to be reset. It was a time where the labels and you getting signed on the label set you off differently from what's happening. If, if I'm playing ball in the park with the homies and the Knicks sign me, there's a difference when I come back around, bro. There's a professionalism. When the label stopped dealing and recruiting from the hoods and started putting barriers on, you have to have 500,000 hits in order for me to even consider you coming to the label. So you want me to build my audience. You want me to do your job before I even come to your brand. And then you want to pay me half for doing your job. That's crazy as hell. So the business is twisted and the consumer is twisted. <laughs> That's how I feel hip-hop is fucked up right now, brother. If you want to, if you want to ask me sincerely, I feel, I feel that the business is off. I feel like when they killed those bigger brands and now just subjected you to find out where all your digital love is, I, 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 I really think you put the game into a person's hands 
more than they should have to be. When do they get to be an artist, man? You can't do two things 100%. You can't promote yourself and go write the album of all time, brother. You can't do it. It just don't happen. Mathematically, it doesn't make sense. 100% on two things at the same time. You're supposed to be able to have the management and the promotion. You know when you sign on the label, you have certain tiers of, of um, responsibility. And without the label, you don't have those things. So you don't think about PR. Look at all these people that are unemployed now that, that were in the game, all the PRs and the A&Rs and all of these promotion people and all of that, all unemployed, getting half-assed jobs from these people because these cats don't want to uh, spend money to be professional. I could do it myself. I saw Chance the Rapper do it. Man, get out of here. You stupid. Chance the Rapper is sponsored, period. There's no way in the world you get up that high without no bread behind your situation. Because I know Cass would have been or should have been got that Grammy, if so. You crazy as hell. There's no way in the world. And I don't hate on him at all, but I'm like, yo, there's a false sense of what that is, man. You know, it ain't, it ain't easy like that, bro. Last question. Sir. What do you think about the evolution of conscious hip-hop? I mean, you've seen and you was around with your colleagues from Poor Righteous Teachers, Brand Nubian, Public Enemy, Queen Latifah, the Native Tongues. But then you also seen Tupac, Ice Cube, Ascari X, somewhat the Ghetto Boys. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and then you see the newer brand, which is J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, and, and, and those guys. I mean, what do you, what do you sum up? about where this thing is going, where it came from, and what are your views on those three different eras? I mean, I also left out Dead Prayers. You got to definitely mention Dead Prayers before I mention Kendrick Lamar and them because, you know, they came in 2000 after Pac. Yeah. So I'm saying it was Dead Prayers. Then it was Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole. I mean, what do you think about the evolution of conscious hip-hop? Oh, I'll I tell you like this, brother. You ever go into a store and like a Whole Foods or something and you see organic green drink or, you know, probiotic, this, that, and the other, you have some artists out here that are, are organic flavor and then you have some artists out here that are truly organic, okay? My thing is this. If you're going to register these new generation of artists, they got to be doing a lot more than rapping, man. You having a conversation with me 20 years after my group came out because you know where my dudes lay, brother. Okay? I don't know none of these cats talking shit right now, paying any dues. You understand me? Before I would give, let's say, a million dollars to public school, I would have built with the elder first and said, where you want me to put this money where it would be effective to our people? Period. Public school ain't doing shit for my people. Straight up and down. We trying to find a way to homeschool our kids. How many people you know right now in the movement homeschool their kids, brother? But you putting the money into right. public school? Foolishness. Right. So with the right guidance, I feel that this rap music can really jump up. And a lot of these artists that are figuring out, like, yo, I'm tired of being part of the problem. 
So when you hear uh, Joey Badass or any of these other cats really just come out of that, I'm just tired of being, the, you know, the, the reason for anarchy. Because these kids are wilding out. They, they taking my, my little spit and going becoming something else. I want to start talking about something else different. I want to start burning the American flag, all this other thing. Yo, man, you got to get guidance. You got to really feel out, you know, what kind of guidance can understand your level because you just can't pick any older person to tell you what's right or wrong. You got to pick somebody that understands your lane, man, right. and your School level of, of success. Right. <laughs> you feel me? Right. So you can't, Kendrick Lamar can't go to the elder around the way at the community center and say, hey, what's up? Because he ain't never been in front of 100,000 people or 5,000 people yelling your shit and spitting your word like that. So you got to go deal with some people that know that side of the game as well and know where your contribution back to the people who buy your shit will be better placed. That will make you the movement spokesman or, or beacon to say, young heads, check how I did this. I was able to take this million dollars, and I funded several homeschool programs. I rebuilt three community centers. And I still have change to, to help some kids to pull out of juvenile hall and get into the job, job corps or whatever it is, bruh. More intelligent way than just trying to make a, a blast to say such and such donates this and that to Whoopi Whoop. And he's a hero now. No. It's a positive move, but it doesn't do anything for us. How do we feel that? How do we feel that while people still getting shot on TV? I don't have a million dollars to go put into that. You feel me? <laughs> but I can tell you what I would have done better with some money like that, bro, as a movement person. Right. <laughs> I could tell you a million ways that I can use that money better. You know what I'm saying? These kids need to be prepared and detoxed, man. I would rather have fresh food in those public schools rather than giving money to some backward-ass system or even their books are off on how they teach the whole pedagogy is backwards and off. Right. How are you going to invest in that? Right. You know what I'm saying? How would you invest in that and feel like I'm a hero at this? That ain't it. And like I said, brother, everyone is so sensitive now. As soon as somebody says something about somebody else's move, uh, whatever, yo, man, I ain't got no problem with that kid. You know what I'm saying? I just suggest in the future to any artist who gets blessed with something like that, think first. Go see an organization that has been up for 20, 30 years or more that has been doing solid things for the people and have a conversation on the options or what you can do with that kind of paper. That's what I say because these young heads are seeing it, bro. This is a commercial era. You know what I'm saying? If Yachty is rich now, after such a short time, brother, there's a lot of money in the game right now, family. Right. Because that music don't make no sense, brother. It's almost like he was clowning and, and felt like, damn, you like that? I'm getting away with murder in here. Right. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> Whatever that flavor is that he has that's winning, it's not what we created back in our time. And we weren't the first, but we were able to improve off of what Nelly Mellonum started. It was always a level of improving as the years went on. It's like this shit is going reverse, God. Right, fast. It's like it's going reverse, man. And and, and any time you're de-evolving, man, it's like, yo, man, cut this short, man. Because I don't want hip-hop to be remembered 
with the faces that are representing right now, that's crazy. Because for all the people that are trying to erase the positive sides of the move, you see most having to go to Africa and Talib will say, yo, man, I don't want to be considered a conscious rapper because y'all boxing me in. I can't live my shit in. You make positive people who do this thing feel like they're trapped. And every time you talk their name, they can't be included on a big concert. Why can't you invite uh, a Mortal Technique to a U2 concert to perform or a fucking Most Death to a Maxwell concert or whatever? Hip-hop used to blend. Bro, I used to perform with the Isley Brothers. And today, and all kind of cats, you know what I'm saying? I'll cause you to be so mixed. Why can't that happen now? Because they see the music as such a barbaric, buffoonery art. It's no longer considered the art of the wordsmith, the intelligence of youth anymore. That's backwards. And yet you would pay them to be stupid? Come on, man. Conscious artists probably don't even belong on a pop grid. I would say embrace the underground strongly. There are still brands that would see you. And, and when they recognize that you're doing exceptional things, you won't have to get like a half a million hits to get a deal with the underground label. You just have to have a strong following. And your people step up when you, when you put the word out that you're coming somewhere. That's about it, man. From there, make good music. The underground will treat you like that. You don't have to have a special situation. You don't have to be overly independent. You can be independent and make a deal with someone to push and distribute your music and still end off fair. Why have 100% of nothing? If you're sitting there making your own music and pushing it out and it's not doing anything for you, you got 100% of nothing. But if you go get with a partner that's been in the game for 10, 20 years and can put you in Russia and, and India and, and different countries and even in your own, that's a worthy business deal. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I don't understand why that's such a bad word. That's business. Right. That's, being, that, that's being exceptional in your craft to where nobody on your block was signed, but you were signed. Right. You were the exception. You got signed to the Knicks. You got signed to the Clippers. You got signed to the Lakers. All of my high school fans, my, my high school friends were signed. Jungle Brothers, Q-Tip, all of my boys who I did talent shows with. Four, four out of six or seven of them were signed professionally. And that made a difference. And we had to learn how to, how, to, how to live that difference and say, yo, man, this is how it's done. Straighten your shit up. Get out here. Get on the road. Be there. Be present. Touch your people. Don't be one of those people perform on stage, wave your hand, and you don't go to the merch booth and sign a T-shirt and shake a hand and take a picture. Those little simple basics, you can do that in the underground, bro. And you already know, Jay, from being out here, man. You already know. You know what I'm saying? From the high road days to the right. uh, to the rock the bells and all of that shit, man. Come on, bro. These cats, you know, the the the, the commercial artists ruined the rock the bells. You remember when it was good, right? When it was the all star of underground talent, right? Now, where Tech Nine would be like in the top three, y'all put him in the daytime where the openers are because you got Ice Cube and, and Badu and all of them, but They'll go to rock the bells, get that money, and then go back to the commercial market where the underground is not welcome. That's what kills underground mediums. They got to stick to their guns. If you out here touching the people and shaking hands and the people say, yo, man, I really would like such and such to come back, then that's who you put on the card. You don't put on no fantasy shit on this fucking card. 
We don't care about that. That's not, that's not, uh, that, that's not genuine. When that artist, when Ice Cube has come out here and said he's at the Uptown in Oakland, and then he went down to L.A. and was at the fucking Lamert Park, and then he went over here and such and such, now people are saying, yo, man, I saw, the, I saw the big OG. He came, I got a picture with this fool right here. Oh, he's at Rock the Bells? Man, he deserved to be there because he fucked with us on a regular. That's as easy as this equation could be right. where hip-hop could be friendly again, brother. Fuck with who Straight fuck with you. Down. Huh? I said basically fuck with who fuck with you. That's what you said. Correct, brother. Couldn't be said better. That's what it is. And then when the underground loses that and the baton gets switched by these promoters to the next person who gets up, the, the next young buck that steps up and says, yo, I'm running the clubs now, I'm running the tour circuit, whoever gets that bag, and they say, man, come on, man, I want Uzi Burt. I don't want no fucking Hyro. I don't want no fucking Super Nat. I want to see fucking whatever the fuck. You're now changing the frame. Why? Because you think you can get oceans of teenagers to be in front of your stage. You can get the same quality crowd if you build your car correctly with legends, brother. And I'm going to prove it. I'm not even here talking shit like telling them to do whatever. I'm going to show it. I'm a blueprint type of dude. You know what I'm saying? We talking about eras of the 90s and all that. We were blueprint <laughs> for what it was. Right. Why would I stop? Why would I stop, bro? You know, I'm taking that shit to the next mantle. This is how a conscious music label is run. No, that shit is not accepted. I don't care what the industry thinks. I know that if I have 10 conscious artists, I can have all ages events around the country at any time because the content is strong. And I'm not sending you from the stage from an edited performance to give you a nasty CD. That's the other shit. So don't give me a, a David Letterman, Letterman performance, clean, clean show, and then your, your fucking CD is cursing me out all the way home. It don't match. <laughs> How many cats do that, Garbody? <laughs> right. I'm, right. I'm, I'm just keeping it 1,000. So, you know, these are the things where cats have to check themselves. You know, when you get that belief and that energy from, that, from the people, you can't go take them backwards and say, well, the, the, the hood won't hear me unless I'm cursing. The hood fuck with me to this day. I ain't cursing on my shit. Last two albums, clean. All my old catalog will be completely clean when it is remixed this year. Completely. So all of my anger and my little, little pot shots and all of that shit, all that shit is erased. Hmm. So there's absolutely no excuse. A little kid can read my lyrics at school. Hmm. How many artists can say that? Hmm. And I still smashed them. <laughs> Real shit, my lord. I'm just keeping it thousand with my brother. I'm so happy we're having a conversation, man. Me too, man. I don't want to hold you for too long, man. But I appreciate you. I thank you. I appreciate this history that you dropped on us. Last but not least, how can people keep current with you online? They can keep current with me at RoJXClan, B-R-O-J-X-C-L-A-N, on the Twitter, Facebook, all of that. They can just type that in and they'll see my big head pop up. That's you know what, what I'm saying? Is. And they can come on my page and they'll see peace and understanding, man. You know, and, and I want to say to you and to all the people, too, as well, those radio stations try to come at me and come at my family. And I did what Bam and them didn't do. And I encourage Bam to step up and do what I did. Go to the face of the people that threw that shit at you and tell them what the fuck is up. Because we don't play that. There's a person who tried to insult 
Sonny Carson, Lamumba Carson, myself, and all of my members of Black Watch to, to infuse that we were a cult. They try to make, they try to come to me and blackmail me to write books about my brother doing drugs and so on. And I told them like this. I said, I don't hide that my brother had a cocaine and depression problem. I dealt with it as a family, and it was none of their business. So I want to be 100% on this interview with my brother because you are a brother of the movement. I don't talk to him, none of these dud heads. You feel me? I'm being honest it. with my family. I'm yes, being sir. honest with my family. They approached me to sell out on my brother, and that wasn't advertised. A false story was created to get a spark up to keep people thinking that the movement is not the way. I know movements back in the days that were telling cats to take those gold ropes off their neck and put those medallions on, like I said earlier, because cats was dying. We were the artists that were coming saying close the crack house from the gate. And now look at crack right now. It's part of our whole existence as black people. We just take it like it's regular, like, oh, he smoked crack. That's what it is. It used to be like a, a disease of zombie, man. And now it's accepted. Look at all the things that are norm now. Feel me? It's a backward. And the people that will help you wake up out of that, 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 that false normalcy are the ones they're trying to take now. You got to sift through the bullshit. Stop getting with this Internet foolishness, man, and just really just put your energy to snatch the inspiration and build something. No one that you hear on these records, you don't have to believe in me or anybody, bam, anybody. You don't have to believe in any of these people. All these people do is spark what you are. Once you know who you are, then you can go ahead and take that message to manifest into something. That's nation building. That way no one is important. There is no one. There is no Jesus Christ of it all. There's none of that. It's just that, oh, man, them brothers came at a time where it sparked my dome. And I took what that is, and I built my family, and I built my community, and that's it. That's it. That's all they're required to take. And that's what I'm telling to these young heads. You don't have to believe in anything from the past. You weren't down with that era. You wouldn't know what that feel is. But you can't lose faith in what the movement was the Marcus Garveys, the Malcolms. You go back to the elders, back to the ancestors that they try to erase. It's the same thing they do with this music, brother. Don't let them have our history. Don't let them have our goodness, man. No doubt. Salute. Salute, my lord. That's the one and only, the grand verbalizer, the folk and lesson, brother Jay, X-Clan, Dark Sun Riders, part of the Black Watch movement, associated with his elder Sonny Carson man I appreciate you I'm honored to have you I mean I grew up off you and I grew up off you many 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 years before I ever met you so part of this block report radio part of what I've been able to contribute I have to definitely humble myself and bow down to the X-Clan and what you was able to teach me as the front man of a revolutionary rap group when I didn't have nobody talking to me like that. So appreciate yes, you, brother. Salute Thank on you. salute on record. And um mm -hmm. until the next one. Until the next one, big brother, I'll be at you, man. For sure. Appreciate your time, man. Salute. Thank to you. Peace to the God. Peace. One. That was another edition of Block Report Radio with the People's Minister of Information, J.R. 
Tune in soon for another episode of that Pan-African Anti-Capitalist Kill the System Radio. Finger roll through blackreportradio.com when you get a chance. Until next time, we out.